Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our guys over at Scentlock. Uh, it's that time of year. I'm starting to get out my heavyweight stuff. Uh, it's supposed to be 20 degrees here in Kansas on, on Friday, Gabriel Glacius. 20 degrees. So I'm pulling out the heavyweight stuff. But that's my favorite part about Scentlock is they've got stuff to get you through all year long, early season to late season. Their BE1 uh, series, their Bowhunter Elite series, is a complete toolkit for bow hunters. If you have not checked out Scentlock, I would highly, highly encourage it because of their active carbon technology for maximum odor absorption. It's hands down, in my opinion, the best to be in the deer woods with. I've got one of my good friends, one of my, um, the guys that I roll with, uh, the guys that I hunt with, which is exciting, Mr. Gabe Ledbetter. Gabe, how are you, man? Good, man. Glad to be here. Always I'm glad, good. I'm glad. I'm excited to be there. Uh, we're, I'm headed to Missouri in December to hunt with Gabe. It's one of my favorite hunts of the year. Um, you know, anytime you get to hunt with your friends is, is a good time. So I'm ready to come down there in December and, uh, we're going to talk a little more about that because it's going to be kind of an exciting project, but, um, I'm excited to come down there and hunt, man. Yeah, dude, we're looking forward to it, man. Got some good bucks on camera. It's always, it's always good when you got deer on camera, you know, you're going to chase, um, but you know, I don't even care what... if it's a good deer, dude. I uh, hey, forky or bust, in my opinion. <laughs> oh yeah, no doubt. You're a true bow hunter, dude. Nobody's ever doubted that. If it shows up, dude, and it's got it's got horns, it's not safe around you, no doubt. One of my one of my dad's favorite things to say to me is he says, "Dylan, when are you gonna kill a big deer?" And I say, "Well, <laughs> I say, well, when they show up before the little ones do, probably. But the little ones always come in first, so they die first. But see, dude, that's why that's why everybody loves you right there because you know, like Kip Campbell, man, he got one of the best shows out there because he kills anything that moves. Yeah, you know, and you, you ain't afraid to do the same, man. I like it. You know, there's been times like you know, it's funny because there's times in the year where I have a big deer come. Like last year was a perfect example. I got videos of this deer, um, a, a nice, probably one thirty inch deer. And I let him walk because it was early in the season. I just wanted to keep hunting. Then later in the season, I ended up shooting like 115-inch deer. And uh, right. I, I heard like four times, like, dude, you had a bigger deer than that. It's like 12 yards. And I'm like, I that just didn't get my – I didn't get my, my heart pumping at the time, so I didn't shoot it. So, man, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, have to shoot a giant. I just want to shoot whatever gets me excited, man. No, for sure. I get it, man. I get it. And besides, deer comes work if you just – pass on everything and i'm not saying you know we all do it but 
sometimes it's just cool to just let loose and send an arrow, you know, no matter what. Cause like I said, it just becomes work, man. If you just hold out all season long yeah, or you can just enjoy the hunt and uh, kill a nice deer. Yeah, absolutely. Now, Gabe, uh, when I said I'm coming there, I'm going to his place there in Missouri. Uh, he's got a, a beautiful ranch there in Missouri, but, uh, Gabe is a guide outfitter, marketing director, kind of, you know, wears a lot of different hats for Pope Brothers Guide Service in Texas, um, which is just an absolute phenomenal, phenomenal uh, place to go. I've been there now, what, we've been there three or four times together. Um, yeah. Always have good hunts, always comfortable lodging, um, just a, a really, really cool place to hunt. Um, so tell me about Pope Brothers, what all you do there. Yeah, man. Like you see, you basically just said it all. I'll chip in and help out when I'm down there if need be, but mostly I'm just the marketing director for him, you know, and it, it kind of started out, you know, me and you went down there together and, uh, yeah. you know, we, we've been, we've been to different outfitters and, and ain't going to throw any names out there, but sometimes, and everybody knows this, you don't always have the best experience. Uh, and we'd had, we'd kind of dealt with that a little bit in Texas, but we went to Pope brothers, man, and we just had the best time clay and holly they're uh, just a top-notch operation they take such good care of you and you know you just you ain't throwing money around it to go hiking in texas i mean they have the game you know you're not just out there looking at it's just they they have the properties man it's just a great operation and so we just kind of hit it off from there and i was just kind of like man i'd love to be a part of something like this and so we struck up a friendship there and one thing led to another now we've been working together for a couple of years and just been a great, great relationship with those guys down there. And yeah. uh, they're always, they're always putting on amazing animals. So it's just cool to be a part of that for sure. No, that, <laughs> and again, we're not here to throw any names out and, and, you know, talk bad about anybody, but we were on a hunt and we had actually taken a couple guys from bear archery with us and we had found yeah, this Tell place. this story, tell this story, because this <laughs> is a perfect example of what kind of people they are and, and they'll just come to the rescue for you. When yeah. you need a real outfitter, they'll be there. <laughs> we uh we had taken um some of the guys from Bear Archery with us and and you know, we wanted to show them a good time and, and kill some deer. And we found a place and you know, just wasn't what we expected. We show up and it was I mean it was rough. Um, you know, a lot of rules on if it's six years old, it's got to have 12 points. If it's broken on one side, it's got to have five points on the other side. If it's, you know, if it's a uh, eight point, it's got to be at least two and a half. I mean, just crazy rules, crazy they things. Had, that, they had rules I didn't even know was possible. Yeah, uh, Really, they did. They, they literally yeah. pulled out a binder of rules. And we were sitting there trying to take pictures. That way we could, like, you know, memorize them in the stand or whatever. And it just, you know, we had a nice deer come in. And the guy from Bear looks over at me. He's like, dude, is that? am I going to get fined for that deer? And I'm like, I don't know. Um, you know, I, it's a nice deer. I would shoot that anywhere else in the world, but right. you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, I can't keep up with all the rules. And so we ended and up you, not shooting it. Do you remember the pressure of that too? Because after you oh went through the rules, there was like a flashlight on you. Like, and this is yeah. what happened if you do it. Yeah. Like, this 100%. is the And it made it kind of, it made it stressful, dude. <laughs> yeah. And we were only, maybe three hours. No, not even three, probably two hours from Pope brothers. Right. And so we ended up calling them. We're like, Hey man, we got into a hunt and, uh, it's just not what we expected. And we need to put some deer on the ground this week. Um, can we come up to you? And he's like, absolutely. I'll come on up, man. And, uh, and so they came to the rescue for sure. Guy from bear shot a nice white tail. 
um, we all ended up shooting quite a few things, but uh, it was a good time, man, for sure. No doubt. Good Before, memories. It was just, it was such a relief too. When we got there, we, we just felt like we could breathe and deer coming in and we just enjoyed ourselves. It was just an awesome yeah. Before we go on, let me give a shout out to my friends over at Buck Bourbon. If you run any kind of feed or supplement on your farm, um, I have found Buck Bourbon to be hands down phenomenal. Um, it, it attracts bucks from a very long range. They've got feed, they've got attractant, they've got licks, they've got everything you need. Uh, so if you're the type of person that runs any kind of, of feed or supplement on your farm, I would highly encourage you to check out Buck Bourbon. Um, so in December, uh, I'm excited. What we're going to do is uh, many of you remember, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time at all, uh, Joey Zapmary, uh, national champion, strongman, got him on his first hunt last year. He came down and, and we drove to Oklahoma uh, hunted with Liberty Ranch there and had a fantastic time. He ended up shooting a doe. Um, but as anybody, he's like, man, I really want a buck now. You know, he's like, I got that bug, and now I really want to kill a buck. And so I'm like, well, uh, my boy Gabe uh, has hands down a phenomenal farm. He runs, you know, super, super strict conservation efforts on the farm, and and uh, and we can kill nice deer there for sure. Right. And so um, Joey's coming down. We've got Andrew. Uh, who's one of the product managers at, uh, well, I don't know if he's a product manager, uh, product developer, probably engineer uh, at Trophy Ridge. He's going to come down and meet us. He's going to bring all the new bows with him, all the new sights and rests and 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 everything, stabilizers. That way we can shoot them all and, and you know, get some first impressions of everything. And hopefully all three of us put down a nice buck if you do your job. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, no pressure, right? <laughs> yeah, no pressure at all. But it'll be a good time. Uh, so oh, I would yeah. stay tuned for that. Uh, early December, we're going to put out some videos and some podcasts, just kind of covering all of our thoughts on the new bows, uh, covering our hunts and, and how everything unfolded and how everything happened. But it'll certainly be a good time for sure. Right on. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to that. Can't wait. Now, uh, the only reason that, that you're here, the only reason I want to talk to you at all um, – <laughs> You've already this fall already put down some 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 animals, man. Um, a giant giant all dad, uh, stinking stud of an all dad. Um, a nice buck there in Missouri on the Iowa line. Uh, some elk. You've already been busy, dude. Yeah, man. This has been one of those years for me. It's you start wondering if you need to send out any more pictures to your friends because you might not have any friends at the end of the year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I, I blocked you for a, for a moment. Like I blocked you for a day or two, but. Do it, dude. I see. Yeah. I felt that tension right there. You know, I felt that. No. Uh, so out of the three, um, I think it's all, it's, it's only three, right? Elk, deer, and all that out of the right. three, what's been the bet? Like what's been that one that got your heart pumping like no other man. I ain't going to lie to you, man. I, I, I'm pretty experienced with elk hunting so far. Uh, grew up whitetail hunting. Those are in, That's in my blood. But I ain't going to lie to you, man. The all dad was one of the coolest hunts I've ever been on in my life. And if I can recommend, like, trying something new to anybody, I've been telling all my friends, like, dude, sheep hunting, bro, you got to try it. Like, it was one of the coolest hunts I've ever been on in my life. And, uh, and, and just being out there and the whole, 
the whole style of hunting and then putting down a big old mature ram like that. I mean, they're huge animals. I, I didn't realize, man, but them, a big old ram can weigh upwards of 400 plus pounds. Uh, yeah. They're big animals. And it, it was just a, it was a blast, man. It really was. But I, that right there was probably the highlight so far this year. And probably and don't think I'm going to touch it either. Before we, because uh, I do want to talk about the hunt and how it all folded, but like I've heard so many guys say, I want to go on a sheep hunt, but I can't afford it. And, and like, I understand, dude, if you start looking at bighorn, you know, stone, you start looking at those types of sheep, you're dropping coin, uh, you know, stone sheep hunt. You're looking at 60 K dude. Um, Easy. and all that is something that you can hunt free range. Uh, don't think, oh, I don't want to hot, hunt a high fence. They're free range in Texas. They're free range in Oklahoma. We've got a good buddy who guides them in Oklahoma. Um, and they're free range completely. I mean, in the mountains, like you're working for these sheep, you know, I've heard guys, you know, I've heard guys put in a hundred miles and stay for seven days, uh, in the, in the Texas backcountry to kill these sheep. And like, you know, it's an incredible hunt and, uh, and you can do it for, for relatively cheap. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly what like Pope brothers charges, but you know, you can get in on these hunts, you know, in Oklahoma, they're on public ground. Um, now don't get me wrong. You're going to abuse your body trying to get to them, but there's no tags or licenses for them either. So literally you drive and put in the work and you're hunting them for free. Um, but in, in places like Texas, you know, where they're, where they're, they're free range, but you know, most of them are guided hunts. Uh, you know, you're probably going to drop 5k. Am I, am I off on that? No, that's the right ballpark. You know, uh, sometimes a little more, but one thing that I figured out through the years is, is you got to be careful, uh, in Texas, especially because the, the outfitting market has become so saturated there. Um, and there's a lot of people that they'll, they'll take, you know, somebody will post a picture. Then another guy takes that picture and posts it on his site and everybody thinks he's killing those kind of animals. Well, really he's just using it as a billboard and he makes a quick buck and, and people end up with lots of bad experiences. You hear horror stories about, uh, you know, outfitters down in Texas. So I was fortunate enough to have that connection and, uh, it didn't happen to me, you know, because if you're going to spend that kind of money, you know, and here's the deal, blue collar guys, it, it's a, it's a sheep hunt that you can actually afford, but it's still a good chunk of money for, yeah. for the working class guy. Uh, so you want to make sure that you don't, you're not just throwing that money out to the wind, you know, and you end up just right going on a hiking trip to the mountains, you know, with a, with a guy that says, Oh, well, I seen some sheep over here at some point, you know, you want to, you want to throw your money at the right place. And, uh, that's when when it worked out for me to go there working with them i knew i was like gosh because i see the pictures all the time and they kill the sheep and sure enough man we would see upwards of i'd say average between 100 to 350 sheep a day on 30 plus thousand acres private ground and it's just like dude i we can hunt all these so it was just to say it was a phenomenal experience is an understatement because when you got that much ground and that amount of game you're in heaven when you spend you know five to six thousand dollars you can't ask for anything better because you're throwing that kind of money at a true value it's just amazing and that's the deal if you go down there uh you get in with those guys at Pope brothers you're going to spend a good chunk of money but you're going to have an opportunity to kill a monster sheep yeah period well, you're going to have an opportunity <laughs> The thing about Texas, too, that you don't get many other places is it's such a game-rich environment that, yeah. you know, you're going to end up – I mean, dude, one time we went down there and and we shot 
Lord, six rattlesnakes? And you might think, well, dude, it's a rattle. Like, why would I? It was fun, dude. That was oh, yeah. stinking fun. Uh, you know, you're going totally. into a brush and all you hear is, you know, a rattlesnake and you about poop your pants, dude. You start looking around, where is it at? Or, you know, driving down the road and all of a sudden all of you are jumping out of the truck to go chase a rattlesnake that just went into the cactuses. I mean, it's a blast. You know, javelinas, yeah. hogs. And, and those are things that, you know, I'm talking about things that don't cost extra money. You know, that, yeah. that it's not like you see a, a whitetail and the guide's like, yeah, well, we'd have to, you know, that'd be a $2,000 whitetail. I'm talking about things that you see in the outfitters like shoot it now. Um, and, and, thing, <laughs> yeah, and things that are fun to do, man. You know, yeah. javelinas, in my opinion, hunting javelina is one of the best ways to sharpen your skills as a hunter, in my opinion. Um, no, 100%. You're spot on. And I would say hogs, too. Uh, the only reason I say javelinas is the best is because they're stupid. Um, they, they don't have great eyesight. Um, so you can, you know, you can really practice stalking on them. Um, and you're not going to blow as many out as you would on anything else because they just, they don't see real well. Um, but you know, especially to like test equipment out and you just got a new bow, you know, going down to Texas and shooting six javelinas and, and well, you can only shoot two, but, um, you know, your crowd of your, your group of friends, uh, shooting six javelinas and five hogs. I mean, there's no better way to build confidence in your equipment than to go down and do that. Um, yeah. dude, I'll never forget that time me and you was hunting and, uh, and I had just switched I to a recurve. I had just switched to a recurve. We were only what, I don't know. I was only five months into this. And I really wanted to start building my confidence with that recurve. And it had almost gotten dark and we had heard some javelinas over outside the blind, you know, running, running across the road. And so we decided to get out and uh, see if we can't get a shot on these javelina. And so we're walking up and, and I end up shooting a javelina <laughs> and you've got it on camera. I think still, as soon as I shoot that, that javelina starts squalling and squealing. And I swear that thing was running right at me. It wasn't, it was running the opposite direction. But dude, I threw my hands up. I jumped back twelve feet, dude. I was getting ready the, to fight. The look, dude. The look I'll never forget in your eyes. And I think, yeah, I think your eyes on video, man. It was like your soul left your body at that point when it you did. turned around. And it did. It yeah. just you, as you knew that thing is about to latch onto your ankles or something, man. <laughs> now that, that is. Uh, a, I do tell people that's the first animal I kill with a recurve, even though we didn't get to recover it. Um, you know, yeah. we tried to get in there. Well, it was basically it was, impossible. Uh, it, you would have had to have a tractor to get through it. I mean, oh, totally, yeah, for real. And uh, but you know, we we got in there, we heard it die, and um, you know, I think we probably were within forty yards of it, thirty yards of it, maybe by the time we couldn't get through any further. Um, but just a really yeah. cool, really cool experience. And that, that I mean, that it's the perfect example as to I switched to a recurve, and I really wanted to build confidence. So I go after javelina. Um, that it's a perfect because it's such a, a game rich. I mean, if you shoot one and miss, they're going to come back in. Uh, you'll get more opportunities. You know, if you start on whitetails, you might get the one shot a year. You might get the one opportunity a year, and if you blow it, you blow it. Um, so things like javelinas, hogs, they're really good to build confidence, practice your skills, um, and just hone your skills really. Yeah, and I think I think, man, hands down, that is the greatest in between hunt that you can ever do. Like being, you know, deer season's over, you're waiting on turkey season. Just go to Texas and shoot some javelinas. Like you want to talk about yeah. a good time, like because that that waiting period right there, that's tough for the avid hunters, you know, because deer season's yeah. over. What do I do now? 
wait for turkey season well no you don't have to <laughs> go to texas man have a blast like you said man everything down there is just is almost huntable and there's so much of it it's even even like the the south africa guys you know all, all the north american dudes everybody wants to go hunt africa and stuff well when those guys want to go hunt somewhere they are almost always are going to South Texas. So that yeah. ought to tell you something right there. I mean, people are, that's what they're not just coming to hunt North America. They're coming to hunt North America, but in South Texas, it's just such a, such a good place for an outdoorsman. Man. Yeah. I uh, talked to a guy from Australia one time and, and the type of guy that's hunted in like six countries and, you know, all over the world. And I said, well, what's your favorite place to hunt? And he said, uh, Texas. Yeah. Texas is my favorite place to hunt. You know, he's hunting New Zealand and Australia, obviously, Africa. I mean, all these places. And uh, you you ask him what his favorite place to hunt is, and he said, Texas. (laughs) Not only the United States, but Texas. I've heard that more than once, man. They love it. They love it down there. It's just, yeah. And I, and I completely understand why. (laughs) I really do. How many days did it take to kill your all dad? I'm going to say that was on the fifth day. But it wasn't for lack of game, because I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to throw this out there. It's a true number. Passed on 10 different rams, and I'm talking good rams. And I, it wasn't because I was like, oh, I'm the greatest sheep hunter in the world. I'm not going to shoot anything. No, I didn't know what I was doing at all. Like, <laughs> I, told, I told Clay, I'm like, listen, we got several days to do this. If I need to shoot something, just say shoot, and I'll shoot it. Uh, and he's like, all right. He's like, well, what, do you want to hold out for a really, really good one? I was like. Yeah, but I want to kill one though, you know. So I was just trying to figure out. I was trying to find that that right place to be in, and we landed on it. He kept telling me pass, but it, the more the more times I would pass, I was more comfortable with it because it's like we're gonna we're gonna see more rams. It was just insane, yeah. man. The amount of game I did pass on ten rams before I killed that that stud. That's crazy. How many miles did you put in? Oh man, so. Pro- probably not a crazy amount. Probably said probably around 15 miles. Uh, one day, one day was rough, uh, but it didn't have to be that way. It's when I say it's super unique. So there's rugged country. You, it's like okay, you got to get on a side by side if you're going to get to a place where you can hike. You got to get out of a truck, get in a side by side, something to make it. And from that point on, you're in some crazy country, like climbing up rocks and looking over edges. You're like. Oh, don't want to fall down there, stuff like that. But yeah, a lot of that property is big old mesas, meaning flat top mountainous type terrain to where they have roads that go up on top. So you can circle those mesas and just glass and spot all day long from a vehicle or side by side and just look at these massive amounts of herds of sheep and pick out these good rams, something that you know that's worth taking a closer look at. Then you drive around, go up a road, get on top of the mesa, and then you can mark a spot from the bottom, and then you get over there to where you last seen them, you peek over the top, and you're right on top of them. I can't tell you how many times, man, I was in bow, within bow range of good, mature rams. I peeked over the edge one time, and I had a big old monster ram 20 yards right, right directly underneath me. I literally could have dropped a rock on him. Uh, but it was just... It's so, so yeah, you, if you want to do a crazy, like pack in hunt, you can do it all on that property. But if you're somebody that's just like, you know, say you've had knee surgeries or something like that, you can hunt from a side by side and glass from a distance. 
and then get on top of the sheep and have a good shot at them. So it's a win-win yeah. for everybody. That's one reason I was just so blown away with that style of hunting. It's just like cause anybody can do it. It's relaxing, sit in a vehicle, eat beef jerky, and just look at sheep all day long. It's just such a good time, man. It really was. Yeah. Um, how far did you end up shooting your sheep? <laughs> so I shot a couple. It was funny. I shot a couple ewes. We was helping thin down there, a herd out there. At shot one at uh, two hundred yards. Shot another at three hundred eighty yards, and ended up shooting my ram at fifty yards. That's a good. Those are good shots with the compound, dude. <laughs> yeah, not bad. Uh. Not bad at all. Now, did you shoot your ram with a compound or a rifle? A rifle. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, that, that concludes this episode of Bear. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Man, no, uh, I, I wish I'd you. had it though. Yeah, no kidding. What is, um, what's next for you this, this fall? Just keep chasing whitetails, man. Uh, looking forward to getting into my home state in Kansas, you know, and, uh, I love, I love to hunt the late season in Kansas. So everybody, everybody likes to hunt the rut. I've always been this way, man. I just like, I like when everything dies down and, and they start hitting food again real heavy and, and just hunting them that way. So I really look forward to late season Kansas hunting for sure. I love hunting late season in Kansas. My only problem, here's my only issue. Maybe you can tell me what to do. Um, seems like every lease that I have, every property that I have to hunt, um, doesn't hold deer in the late season. Uh, they move to bigger winter wheat fields and, and things of the sort. So, you know, I've got properties where I don't even know if I've told you this yet, but I've got a property, my number one spot, uh, I call it the honey hole. I don't see a buck on it until, you know, October 30th. And, uh, and then literally this year I had not seen other than forkies, like other than spikes or forkies. Um, I had not seen one buck and then October 31st, um, Halloween night, I have seven bucks in front of my camera all in daylight, all shooters. And I'm like, there they are. And then they're there for the rut. And then they're gone after, after the rut's over. Um, so they're really, you know, I don't have the opportunity to put in a lot of time and effort in the late season, just because my properties don't seem to hold the bucks for the late season. Right. And there's just places, there's just places that are going to be like that. I mean, you know, that especially in Kansas, you run into that a lot because you got a lot of uh, shelter belts, you know, that are mile sections of just straight line timber. And it's amazing that in Kansas, you can kill a big old buck behind a tree that you find, you know, just find a tree and you, and there might be a big buck behind it. But a lot of times they're traveling bucks like that, you know, and yeah, the big timber lots, the big, uh, heavy timbered areas that you do find in Kansas are a lot of times the places that hold the deer after everything settled down. Uh, you know, because that's just, that's just kind of the nature of the beast, I guess, in Kansas is they will get out and they'll travel those sh shelter belts in the rut. But when it kind of dead, uh, dies down, they go back to the heavy cover to where they can bounce in and out of a feed field and right back into a thick cover. So, yeah, I guess, I guess I really don't have any advice for that one. Cause it's kind of the kind of part of it, I guess. Yeah. Now do you, so you know where I hunt, you know, the property I'm talking about and, yeah. uh, do you think because uh directly to the west um well never mind um 
I should say, I should say this directly to the west um, is a river, and directly to the west is massive, massive acreage of winter wheat. And so, you know, there really just isn't a chance for those deer to to hold there uh, because right. if you know if they go a mile and a half west, not even that far. If they go, you know, three quarters of a mile west, they've got a river, they've got winter wheat, and they've got thick, thick cover. Um, yeah. So, so they they come on me quite a bit during the rut. And, you know, I've shot, you know, I've shot pretty good deer out there two years in a row, saw a really good deer out there, uh, two mornings ago, just didn't have a shot at them. But, um, you know, I just, they just don't, I just don't have the chance to put in that, that late season time out there. Yeah. Which is yeah, why no, I, I come to like, Missouri. Right. Right. Now a property like that, man, you know, you've been out West, Western Kansas quite a bit. You know, if you get out there in certain parts, it's just like, you'll see nothing but CRP and feed fields and you won't hardly see any trees and yeah. that, that a testament right there to just having good native grasses too on properties if you can leave them standing because those parts in kansas if you look out through them you'll just look at they'll just be highways and trails yeah. going in and out of the crp fields and then right in to because they'll, they'll literally live in the grass that bounce out of the bounce out of the feed right into the tall grass and they'll bed down for the day that's one reason a lot of a lot of kansas deer they have those real bleachy white looking antlers it's because they lay out in the open all day long they just get bleached by the sun but now that'd be cool man one of these days if, if you could get some native grasses on that place that might do that might do wonders honestly yeah as far um, as holding some on there for sure before we dive into the giant missouri deer that you shot and how that all unfolded um guys you've heard me rave about it and I can't rave about it enough, especially with things like me and Gabe were talking about hunting different States. Um, you know, when you put in time in Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Texas, Arkansas, when you hunt all of those things, all those places, it's kind of hard to keep up with season dates, bag limits, laws, um, all the, all the things that you as a hunter need to know. And season report is a hundred percent all online hunting almanac. You can see calendar views as to season dates and, and when those overlap. So I know when Oklahoma is overlapping with Kansas and when Kansas is overlapping with Arkansas and when I should hunt where, uh, as to when season dates are open. Also, I can see the rifle, uh, seasons that overlap. So I know if I need to be wearing my orange or not. Um, but guys, season report is, literally one of the best tools I have ever found when it comes to planning your hunt. And the best part of it is it's only 10 bucks for the entire year. I would highly encourage you to check it out because they completely do away with all the clunky state agency websites. You no longer have to go to all those websites and try to figure out all the, all the laws and rules. They're all in one easy to use platform and season report. You can use code hunting one one in all caps and get that for just 10 bucks for the entire year. I promise you it's the best 10 bucks you'll ever spend on hunting. Um, Gabe, Missouri whitetail. Um, you put down a giant, um, tell me about that hunt. Yeah, man. Uh, it was a deer that uh, we'd had on camera up there for going on, Oh, five, six years. He's about an eight and a half year old deer. And, uh, you know, he was always, he was always a good deer, uh, you know, hovering around one fifties to one sixties. And, and usually when they get up that old, you know, they, they go downhill, but he shows up on camera this year and, uh, man, he had that same tall frame. You see, he threw all that trash around his bases. He had 20 inches of trash uh around his bases alone 
And so he instantly became like, oh, wow, that's a cool deer uh, type of deal. And, and we showed up the first time of the year up there, northern Missouri, and he, he comes out on the corn uh, field out there, and we had standing corn in front of us and comes right out. Some does show up, and early, man, he walks out there like it's like it's deer 30, but it's like 4.30 in the afternoon. And yeah. it's just like it was one of those deals I ain't going to lie to you, man. Everything worked out perfect. No extravagant story. It, it just, you know, the cliche, he read the script. That's what it was, man. It was just, it was just too perfect, man. Just a blessing from God. It's like he said, here you go. Big mature deer, make the shot. <laughs> so it worked out, man. I'm the type old- of hunter and it literally never works for me like that. Like <laughs> I, I've never been on one of those hunts where it's just like, Here's your buck. Um, well, no, I take that back. Um, the one time it's ever happened was at your place. Uh, we had been in the blind for like, what, 35 dude. minutes? And I'm like, dude, there's a it, buck. And he's like, dude, that's the one. And he, comes, that, yeah. and he comes to 13 yards and I plug him. We're literally out of the blind and recovered him within 45 minutes of sitting down. Um, yeah. Just a really cool, really cool opportunity. And, uh, you know, that deer there full velvet with a recurve um first year with a recurve i i was over the stinking moon yeah that was a really fun hunt man like you said it all happened so fast we got that deer out of there took pictures and everything before dark yeah we made it for dinner right there buddy yeah we did um we sure did now for somebody who goes, what what is your favorite? What's your favorite whitetail state to hunt in, other than Kansas? Um, that's going to be easily uh, Missouri, because you know Missouri through the years hasn't been known as like the land of the giants. You know, like Kansas, Iowa, and Illinois gets that reputation and has had it for years. But dude, it's on the map now. I'll say that uh, some of the most sought after property in north america for whitetail hunting now is northern missouri i mean uh and a lot of that's due look at what the the uh, jury brothers have done up there you know they're they're putting been putting down monsters for years in northern missouri and here's the best thing about it and why it's my favorite state is you can kill two bucks yeah you know there's not a lot of states you can do that in anymore in a state like Missouri that has monster deer anymore and you can still kill two bucks just makes it, it makes it a blast. It really does. Cause you yeah. know, being a Kansas boy, you, you better, you better know you're going to put your tag on that buck as soon as you put it down and that's it. You're done. Yeah. But so that's, that's a cool change about Missouri is you get a, you get to chase a, a good deer and then go do it again. If you got another one to chase, it's a good time. Yeah, that's absolutely why Texas, or, or I'm sorry, why Oklahoma, I would have to say, is my favorite because um, Oklahoma has been one of those sleeper states, um, yeah. one of those states that, you know, people um, just kind of ride off. And then, you know, same like you said, juries, uh, like Jeff Danker, dude, he's kind of put the spotlight on Oklahoma and, uh, you know, showed these giants being killed in Oklahoma. Um, but you can still kill two bucks. And, you know, I'm not saying that Kansas is wrong, um, but, you know, those properties, 
you know, you take a, you take an Oklahoma property, for instance, if I've got 80 acres in Oklahoma and I've got 80 acres in Kansas, I can, I can manage that property in Oklahoma a lot better because I can shoot management bucks. You know, it's hard in Kansas to say, I'm going to shoot this buck that I know needs to be taken off the property that I know doesn't have good genes, but I don't want to put my tag on it. You know, I I, want to hold out for a giant. And so it makes managing a property hard. And again, I'm not saying Kansas is wrong. Obviously they're doing something right. Um, But for the, for the single person who wants to manage a piece of ground, um, you know, those States that offer you two bucks, make it a whole lot easier to, to manage that property. It does. It does for sure. Especially if you've got a, a big enough piece of property that you are holding deer on and they're living on you for most of their lives, then it, it's a huge benefit. And yeah, like you said, Kansas is definitely doing something right. Obviously, you know, it, there's benefits to both of it. There being one buck in Kansas, that means there's a lot of bucks that get to see a whole nother year or a couple of years because of the laws and that's yeah. one reason that's one reason why there ends up being so many giants in the state of Kansas. But like you right. said, man, it, 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 it's a, it's a win-win on both sides, but it sure is fun to have an extra tag in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, sure. you're absolutely right. Now, one of the biggest questions I get and, and you know, in regards to Pope and young is why should I enter my animal in Pope and young? And, and what we're talking about here is the perfect example Say in a year and a half, say next, say next season, Kansas says, let's go to a two buck state. Well, in five years, they're going to want to look at data to see what's happened to our deer numbers since we went to a two buck state. They're going to call on Pope and Young and say, can we, can we look at your numbers for the last five years of a one buck state and for the first five years of a two buck state and see how have those numbers changed? How has the amount of mature animals being harvested with bows changed over that course of, of adding that extra tag in there? And so I would highly encourage you guys um, to enter your animals um, that are that are Pope and Young eligible because states use those numbers for conservation efforts. Um, you know, places like Oklahoma are going to use those to see um, how are our numbers adding up? You know, if we if we go to a one buck state, how does that change our numbers? If we, you know, if we change the limit from six does, how is that going to change the amount of mature bucks um, being harvested every year? You know, things like that. And so um, I would highly encourage you to enter your animals, guys, because A, it's absolutely not about you. You know, I, I hear guys say all the time, well, I, you know, I don't want the recognition. I don't want to it's not about you, dude. It's about the animal. Um, it's about honoring that animal and putting it in a book amongst its peers, but it's also about conservation efforts so that state agencies can look at those numbers, um, and see how is, how, you know, how is going to a two buck state affecting Kansas and the mature animals that they were harvesting before. Um, so I would highly encourage you to look at those types of things. Um, because man, we need your help you know <laughs> yeah, we all, we all um, got to do our part man it's just like we don't we don't start somewhere like that and people think oh there's no way that our our rights as bow hunters is is going to be threatened but the fact of the matter is that's not true man you just got to look at the trend and just like in colorado you know they say they say this is going to be the last year for for houndsmen to hunt mountain lions using dogs and that's exactly. a part of our it's part of our american way and you got to look at that. They ain't going to stop there, man. They're going to keep on coming. So not just for not just for conservation, but for our future and our kids, man. You, we got to do our part, or 
or they will they, eventually it'll be there. They'll be coming for our rights to do anything in the outdoors. And so we all got to band together and do our part, man. Cause you, you can't, you can't think that, Oh, just me by myself jumping in ain't going to make a difference. Now we, we it all absolutely does make way. a difference. Yeah. We, if we all think that way, then that leaves nobody banding together. So, and, and here's the problem part. is non hunters. When it's time to attack hunters, non-hunters put aside all their differences and they create a unified front and they come after hunters in powerful, powerful numbers. But right. hunters, we say, I'm not a duck hunter, so I'm not going to work with Ducks Unlimited. I'm not a, I don't care about big animals, so I'm not going to join Pope and Young. I, I'm not an elk hunter, so who cares about Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation? But if we all join together, you know, when Pope and Young goes before a state agency, and say, hey, we represent 1 million bow hunters, that means a whole lot more than, hey, we represent 100,000 bow hunters. Um, and, and right. you know, we oppose this. We can't do this. We're not signing off on this. You know, uh, we're direct opposition against this. And the million bow hunters that are behind us, they're all in direct opposition against this. It means a whole lot more. There's power in numbers. And when we as hunters learn to join forces and put aside our differences as to what bow yeah. we shoot or what camo we wear or what arrows we shoot or what states we hunt in, when we join forces and we come together, we're a whole lot more powerful. Totally. And that's What's absolutely that? neat what needs to happen. Um, so, Gabe, I am, you know, I, I always ask about a field note, a little tip that I can take and make myself a better hunter with. Um, so what's one tip you have for us that'll make me a better hunter? That'll make you a better hunter. Uh, sign up with Pope and Young. You'll instantly be <laughs> no, uh, man. I would say, I would say, you know, get out there and try to get your family involved, and that right there alone, you know, that's something I'm trying to do more myself is to uh, make it more about not just about me being out there by myself, but getting my kids out there. And I feel like hunting. I feel like I'm a better hunter uh, for that fact of getting my kids involved because uh, not only I'm, I'm a hunt for myself, but I'm, I'm teaching them how to do it. So I, I don't know if that makes you a better hunter, but I sure feel like a better hunter that way. Yeah. So I would say, man, instill that, instill that in your kids and your family. We all need to spend more time with our, our wives and our kids. And so that's right there. If, if, if you're an outdoorsman, use that as an opportunity to, to get your kids out there and, and spend some time with them. It'll make you a better hunter. Yeah. For sure. Mine this time of year, you know, I grew up and my dad drilled into me, be quiet. Don't move. Don't, don't, don't make any noise. Uh, there's always a buck right around the corner and you're going to scare him off. And so you hear guys talk about grunt calling. You hear guys talk about calling and that can be intimidating when you grew up with the whole, don't make a peep. You'll scare them away. Don't make a noise. You'll scare them away. Uh, it can be intimidating to start making noises. And so my encouragement for you, this is the perfect time to get a grunt call and start using it every 30 minutes, dude. I don't know about you, Gabe, but I've, I've created for myself so many opportunities with bucks by cold calling every 30 minutes. You just do a And I've had so many deer, like you don't see them. You don't know they're there. You do that. Five minutes later, you've got a buck in front of you. Even yeah. better yet, last year I did it. And I'm not kidding you. I put my call back in my pocket and I hear, and there's a buck at seven yards. I mean, just right there. I never saw him, never knew he was coming there. 
I don't know if he would have came in regardless. I don't know if he was going the other direction or my direction anyways, but I called in a buck. Um, and so I would highly encourage you. This is the perfect time to get a, cr- a grunt call every 30 minutes or so, just a couple soft, easy grunts. Um, again, you don't want to put out anything crazy because, you know, if there are deer that you don't see, um, you might spook them, but just a couple of easy, soft grunts and you'd be amazed at the difference it makes at the different encounters you'll have. Um, I I'm a huge fan of, of cold calling in the tree stand. Oh dude, I've killed, and especially in Kansas, I've killed so many of my deer because of that reason alone. Yeah. Uh, like you said, man, or throwing up a decoy. I don't know if you guys have the opportunity to decoy where you're at, you know, but if you got a good open area, which we have a lot of in the state of Kansas, um, and then you pair that up with some, like Dylan saying, some some grunts every now and then, good things happen. They just do. Yeah. So I totally, totally, that's a great tip right there. Well, just, I told you I saw a nice buck um, two mornings ago, um, and this buck comes across the field 150 yards, and you could tell – he was not not paying any attention to me or coming my direction, and so I literally just let out a. And he turns, locks eyes in my direction, and starts coming right that direction. And you might say, "Well, you said you didn't get a shot." Oh, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't because a hot doe ran right in front of him, and he took off after her. But had that doe not have done that, he was coming right to me. Uh, literally turned, was making a beeline to me. Had that doe uh, not came by, um, he would have came right to me. So. so- um, there are things you can't control, but, um, I promise you, you'll, you'll, you'll create more opportunities for yourself. So don't be afraid to try it. Um, don't be afraid. I, my favorite thing is when I see a little buck and I have no intention of shooting it is to just let out some calls and see how they respond, let out calls and see how they act. That way I know this is how that deer responded to that. Uh, so as I start cold calling, um, a, you know, essentially a big buck should, should, um, react the same way and so you know those are types of things that that'll make you a better hunter is is practicing calling on when a little buck you can see him you can see how he responds you can see how he postures you can see how he acts uh to different calls um so try those things uh get vocal in the deer woods this is the perfect time to start doing it um gabe thank you so much for coming on man dude i cannot wait to get there in december uh we're gonna have an absolute blast i know that um and hopefully we put down some giants. Yeah, man, it's been it's been a blast as always. And uh, thanks for having me on again. And uh, love listening to your show, man. It's always good content on here. So I just appreciate you having me on. Before we go, I got to give a shout out to my friends over at Alaskan Guide Creations. There are a few things that I use as much as my binocular harness. Um, actually, there's probably nothing that I use as much as my binocular harness. If I step foot outside to do anything in the outdoors, I have my binocular harness on. Even if I'm checking cameras or hanging stands, I like to have my binocular harness on. That way, if I see a deer, I can pull out my binos and look. Um, I keep a knife in there. I keep everything I really need. Uh, right there and handy. So there's not many things I spend as much time with as my binocular harness. And I found Alaskan Guide Creations to be very spacious, very comfortable, um, very customizable to put different things on different pockets. Um, so I would highly encourage you to check out Alaskan Guide Creations. Gabe, where can they find Pope Brothers at? Pope Brothers, we got a website. You can check it out. Uh, jump on there. Any information about what type of species you want to chase. We do so much of that stuff. 
we love the we love all kinds of hunting down there but we love the free range stuff so if you ever want to do uh, a free range all dad or something like that hit us up uh, find us on facebook send us a message we'll get it set up hey like i said earlier throw your money at the right place uh, them guys clay and holly they've been doing this for over 20 years in the state of texas you don't stay in business that long by taking people's money for nature hikes all right uh yeah. people are killing people are killing stuff that's why they've been in business that long so yeah hit us up on facebook we'd love to talk to you and uh, we'll set something up guys thanks for listening y'all have a great week make sure and stay tuned first of december uh we're gonna have some fun projects coming out just talking about our our reactions to the bows and, and how they shoot and what we like about them what we don't uh but also all of us sitting around camp enjoying a fire and talking about deer hunting and talking about hopefully the deer that we put down on the ground. But guys, thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week.